0: It seems as though part of this human experience is that we go through trials and we go through suffering, and it's really difficult in the middle of it to be able to look past it and say, this is still going to be for my good. Romans 5, it says, there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles, because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that passionate patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged, quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. God bless the message translation that just says it so well. But when we are in the middle of a transition, when we're in the middle of a season of change and it's difficult and it's hard, we don't really feel like we can shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. It's really hard to sense that there is more to come that will actually be for our good. If you are in a season of transition, I want you to hear Dylan Fawcett's story. And even Dylan has this beautiful perspective. And he says that God does not waste our pain. If you are in that season, if you know somebody who is in that season, who is coming out of a ministry transition in a season that's difficult, this is an episode that you don't want to miss. Hey, my name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with the beautiful Marilee Davis. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And we are here with also the beautiful Dylan Fawcett. (laughs) Oh, thank you. it's good to be here and for those of you who are only listening to the podcast there's a lot to see here i mean dylan you are a good looking beautiful man i can say that and feel totally fine about it wish Uh, i'd say the same matt
1: just kidding kidding. right back at you thank (laughs) you uh dylan who are you where are you what are you doing with your life tell us a little bit about yourself. oh man that's such a big loaded question um So I am Dylan, like you said, I am currently a full-time stay-at-home dad, but I'm kind of waiting to get my licensure so I can be a full-time mental health counselor in the state of Iowa. And then part-time, I'm a woodworker of my own business. So that's really kind of what my life looks like. And uh, of course, I'm a husband as well. I've got two kids, um, three-year-old and a two-year-old, which they keep my life busy, right? And tired. So I'm kind of running on a few hours of sleep (laughs) today. And we're on, we're on baby watch, right? So at any minute that baby can wake up (laughs) and we'll pause the interview and jump back (laughs) in later. But we, yeah, we're ready for that. So, yeah.
2: I have a um, a question about woodworking. So what do you like specifically, like, do you make furniture? Do you, what do you, what's your area of expertise? I've never met a woodworker before, so I'm curious to know.
1: Cool. What you make. If you're interested in more, I have a podcast about woodworking too. So, okay. <laughs> wouldn't it be a nice podcast? Check it out. Um, wouldn't it be
2: nice? nice. I love podcast. Puns is going to be all over that.
1: Yeah. Oh, me too. I'm all about puns, all about yeah. them. Um, I would tell you a uh, carpentry joke, but I don't think it would work. Oh, I'm sorry. It would work. That oh, is. Oh. It's
2: just
1: all over I'm the slow. place. I was slow good. on that one. Um, yeah. Uh, to answer your question, I do pretty much everything i do everything from like bottle openers to coasters to custom pieces of furniture um like like tv stands and uh like cubby benches uh bookshelves pretty much anything i'm i'm open to can you help me oh, some shelves in my closets here
0: we're having some issues they're all falling apart
1: oh i know are they the particle board stuff the no par- it's
0: the like wire things that
1: you get at oh, Depot. those are the worst they're they are the worst. They're they're awful. I
2: might be beneath him. It sounds like he's got more. Like this is there's an artistry and a
0: yeah There's more than just a shelf. But while it's beneath him, it's over. It's over me. That's <laughs> I can't do it. You
2: have many, many <laughs>
0: well, gifts. let's meet in the middle. We could yeah. talk about it. Uh, so, Dylan, um, we'll talk about it after the yeah, podcast. Dylan, that's what you are doing today. But let's rewind the clock mm-hmm. a little bit. And uh, there was a time in your life where you were a pastor working in a church in mm-hmm. vocational ministry. Tell us about that season of life.
1: Yeah, I don't even know where to start. I'll just start from kind of the beginning of where I felt my call into ministry was I was a junior in high school and I really just felt this tug on my heart to to share the gospel, to help other people find hope in life like I had found hope in Jesus. And um, that to me was... It took me a long time to process what that really truly meant, like vocationally, because I, I told my pastor, hey, I feel like I may have a call to ministry called a pastor pastoral ministry, but I'm not really sure. And he, what he told me was, Dylan, if you can do anything besides being a pastor and be satisfied with it, do that thing. And uh, I was like, that's kind of a weird thing for a pastor to say. But he he knew how hard it is to be a pastor. It's not an easy thing you go into. It's not a fun career you join just because it's oh this looks like a fun thing to do. You do it because the money's really good. Yeah, and, and the money's great. Actually, funny thing, <laughs> my I was enrolled in the seminary for a while, and the our um the class uh, saying was I'm in it for the money. And they had it on a shirt. It was really funny because it was not true at all. But yeah, um, so my my pastor told me that and I was like, wow, that's okay. That makes me think about it. So long story short, fast forward to like my junior year of college, um, I was enrolled in seminary. I've been a youth pastor part-time in college since my freshman year. So I was like three years youth pastor there. And I was leading some like worship too um, at my school and also at my church. Um, So I did a lot of that. Oh yeah. So junior year comes around, I graduate from my undergrad like a year early. And that was when I could have gone into seminary at that moment. And I actually took, I think two or one or two seminary courses. And the seminary course that I took was uh, caregiving. And it was like all about like caregiving in the midst of people having going through grief or just traumas or whatever stuff. And I, I loved it. But all the other conversations I had leading up to going to seminary with pastors and friends and just praying about it, I kind of realized that going to get my MDiv wasn't something that was for me at that moment in my life. So I didn't end up going to seminary, but I graduated, got married. And then like a month later, I got a job as a youth pastor. Um, and then I was in ministry there at that church for 18 months and Yeah, I guess that's kind of, yeah, that's like a really spark note version of that story. Um, But there was a lot of discernment and figuring out what am I supposed to do with my life? There was actually this book that I read too. Um, It's this kind of a funny story. I was sitting like a month before graduation, my undergrad, I was sitting in the library and I was freaking out about like, what am I supposed to do with my life? I have no idea what's, what's going to happen because I just decided I'm not going to seminary. I didn't even know if I was going to be a youth pastor at this point. I had experience with it. I had connections. There was opportunity, but I just wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. And I was sitting in the library freaking out about it. And I Googled, what am I supposed to do with my life? <laughs> and uh, a book came up uh, by Johnny Moore. It's called, What Am I Supposed to Do With My Life? And I, I watched like a video of him talking about it and he's talking about God's will and all that stuff. So I bought it and it really changed my perspective a lot. And the, the main takeaway I got was God does not necessarily care about where we are, but who we are and the who we are impacts where we are, or where we go, you know, where our heart is that the state of our heart impacts our actions and our choices which ultimately leads us to, you know, where we end up career-wise, family-wise, friendship-wise, like everything, right? Um, so that is the most important thing to God. And that that kind of like took a lot of pressure off me because I felt I had this responsibility. I had told all these people in my life that, oh, I'm going to graduate high school that I'm going to go and graduate college and become a pastor. And I had mm-hmm. said that to so many people because at that point, that's what I thought I was going to do. I thought that's what ministry was. And through that, I just realized God cares deeply about the state of my heart, whether I'm a pastor or not. And as Christians, we all have this uh, responsibility to um, minister to people and share the gospel. You know, the Great Commission, Matthew 25, go make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all Christians have that responsibility not just pastors. So you'd be a janitor 100%. and have that same ministry calling. Uh, so I, I think when
0: most people decide that they're going to become a pastor, I think if it comes with a heavy weight because it's not like, I, I think I'm going to try this pastor thing out for a few years and then I'm going to move up the ladder and do something that It's like kind of, if you, if you think about being a pastor, it, it is a, almost like it, from the get go, from the beginning, it feels like a lifetime Commitment and calling. Um, but for you, that's not the case. Um, as we know that you're already out of the church as far as ministry, vocational ministry goes. Tell me about your last day of ministry. We call it day zero. But what was that like? Was that something that you ended mm-hmm. up
1: initiating or was that initiated for you? That's a big question too. Um, leading up to that last day, my pastor set me aside and said, Dylan, if you don't leave voluntarily, you're gonna be pushed out. And that was because of the church situation that I was in, not, not because of me. And maybe it was because of me, because my, we're in a church that, um, was very politically and theologically divided at the time. And, uh, I just got thrown into that. You know, I was, I started when that mess was happening and it just continued to get worse. <laughs> and, um, I just had different viewpoints than a lot of the people that were in the church. And because of that, um, it was getting to the point where they just didn't want me around anymore. I think, uh, at least some of them. Was this during the pandemic? It was right, at all? right before pandemic. Um,
0: okay, my last. I mean, obviously, the pandemic really divided churches and, like, are we going to wear masks? Not wear masks? Oh all yeah, of that kind of fun stuff. So I didn't. Oh I man. Didn't know. So this is, this is politics before even more politics. Really. Yep.
1: Yeah. I yeah. do. You want specifics on the denomination? Because I can totally give you them, but it.
0: No, not necessary.
1: We're good. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. um, so it that was a big political thing that was happening for years. And it finally was that was just a breaking point, I think, for a lot of people, a lot of churches was was in yeah. twenty that was happening twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Got it. Um, and actually my my day zero was March first, twenty twenty, which if you know three weeks later, that's when everything was shut down. Yeah. Right. So day zero, my wife and I were both hurting because the church for us, I have a hard time saying that, that it was all bad because it wasn't. There was certainly many blessings in it. And I look fondly on some of those memories, but then other memories bring up kind of triggering things and emotions. But um, day one was a really hard day. One, because I was grateful that I was kind of like moving on to the next chapter. Um, but actually... <laughs> the very last day my my daughter was due a month later so they actually had a baby shower for us my last sunday there so we left on really great terms they gave us these gifts and gave us cards and the youth group wrote all these really loving cards to me and, and like just really um heartwarming things saying that they love me and they're sad to see me go and that was really wonderful and it meant so much to to my wife and i but um, it was also really hard because we felt like we needed some healing. So the next week, like March eighth, whatever day that was, we go to another church, go to that church again, and then COVID shuts everything down. So then we're like, "Crap, we don't have a church to go to." And that was about a year. We didn't have a, a home church for about a year, which was really hard because we needed to go into a place where we just, <clears throat> excuse me, where we could just heal. So I'm curious too for your you know, what, what a lot of
0: people don't realize is that when a pastor loses their job, the family loses a job, and it's a transition not just for mm. the person coming out of ministry, yeah. but it's really for, for the spouse and for the kids for everybody. Obviously, yours are really your kids are really young. But what was that like for your your spouse and not not that she's here you can't speak for her, but I mean it, I'm I'm sure you guys wrestled and went through and was it mama yeah. bear coming out to protect you or was it like just mingling oh, yes. with you like how did how did that get processed between two?
1: you know there was a lot of things that happened while we were there that emily was very protective of me about um there's you know people said some things about me behind my back they said things to my face um she was always very protective she's a very loyal person so if somebody comes against her people, she's, she's standing up for them, which that's, I just love that so deeply about her. Um, and it, yeah, I guess the mama bear side did come out. Uh, she was very protective of me, but also she was hurting herself too, just cause that, that church really through the entire 18 months that we were there was not, um, a great, great experience either for her. So, it was, it was really hard. And I'll say even to this day, I know that I still have healing. I can't speak for her and say that she still needs, still needs healing, but we've talked about it recently. And I, we, we both are kind of under the same, um, same idea that, uh, yeah, I think there's stuff we still have to process about it. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's good. What, what, what did
0: that, like, you know, if in pastoral transitions, we're looking at that life after mm-hmm. ministry through the lenses of career And coaching and figuring out like the money, like so, financial coaching, and then the counseling pieces. But how do you just determine? Like, did you have a a career coach assigned to you? Did the church kind of give you here's a here's here's your last check, but also here's a a package just try to help you uh, beyond severance to be able to figure out what those next steps are
1: going to look like. No, not really, but but I did. Leading up to this, this leaving. So I actually had, um, for about a year up to me leaving, it was probably about March of the of 2019, I started to see my own therapist and through working through that stuff, I determined that I wanted to become a mental health counselor. And that was really because I loved my part of my job as youth pastor of just meeting one-on-one with students, hearing their stories and working with them and just, um, just helping them walk through their struggles you know not pushing them not pulling them but just walking through with them with 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 them and uh, I determined when I left the church that I was gonna start schooling so timeline March 1st leave the church April 8th my daughter's born like May 25th or something I start my first day of grad school as a mental health counselor so I kind of had a a plan of action, like I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this church. It's really hard. I don't I didn't really want to, but I, it was kind of like I had to type of th- situation. Um, but I told m- my pastor knew that I was I was gonna go become a a mental health counselor. Um, at least go to school for it and see where it leads me. So there was that. I think my pastor was very supportive, also of everything. You know, I wanna I wanna make that very clear. My pastor was great. Um, and a lot of the other people were too. But um yeah, I'd say I was pretty comfortable when I would left because I knew what I was gonna hop into. And I actually was able to get a a, a full time job as like a delivery driver. Like actually a week before I left the church, I had that job started. So the church did not provide me any sort of extra support in that way, but I had to figure it out because I had enough time to really process it. It wasn't an instant cutoff, it was a kind of a build up to it. So
2: you had said that when you were in high school, you felt like you got the call from the Lord to pastor. Mm. Was there a was there some kind of internal struggle when you realized that you were moving out of pastoring, or had you kind of reconciled mm. that? What was your what was the dynamic like between you and the Lord in terms of figuring out those next steps?
1: You guys ask such good questions. Yes, um, it, there was a lot of wrestling because I had made a commitment to myself, my family, like all these people, I, I had shared my story with so many people of how I you know, really became serious in my faith and how uh, God had called me to be a pastor. And uh, so much discernment had to happen. And then I finally decided, I don't think this pastoral thing is the thing for me, at least at this point in my life. right? And that was a, really hard because I was like, am I going to let my family down? am I going to let my wife down? Am I going to let my friends down? All the people that I said, I'm going to be a pastor. And they're like, yeah, you're going to be a great pastor. We love you in that position. And it's like, man, now that I'm leaving this, like people just going to look at me as a phony now. And I just, yeah, it was hard, but ultimately I had to trust. Okay. God, like maybe being a pastor is not the ministry you're calling me to, but I still believe you're calling me to some sort of ministry and again it comes back to the great commission. We all have this responsibility as Christians to to do ministry in our lives. And uh I just had to figure out what that was. Yeah.
2: Or or it's both. He, he did call you into pastoring and into ministry yes. and it was for a season. And then you were discerning enough to to realize, okay, I think the calling, the assignment has changed. We're pivoting away from full-time, you know, vocational ministry into something else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's actually what you guys said in an earlier episode Was Matt, you were talking about assignment versus calling. And I, th- I think that's really accurate. What you just said, merrily about it was an assignment and it was called to that assignment, but that was just, that was what it was. It was just the assignment of being the pastor for that period. So for somebody who's coming out of
0: ministry, vocational ministry, um, because we believe that just because you're not a pastor anymore that you stop doing ministry, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're just gonna leave ministry to the paid professionals and everybody else gets to, you know, tag along uh, on Sunday mornings. But there is there is a, and I, I think this the progression of going from orientation to disorientation to reorientation, this new normal. <laughs> um, what do you say to somebody who's coming out of ministry and they are in that wilderness season of disorientation. Like what's the lesson Mm. to be learned? Um, And, and not that, you know, I I think it's okay if you're still in (laughs) the wilderness. Um, I think I have days and times um, probably more often than not, where I I feel like I'm still wandering in the wilderness saying, Lord, I'm, Mm. I'm in the, I I long for the promised (laughs) land and I feel like I'm close. Why can't I get there?
1: Yeah. Oh man. The biggest lesson I learned through all this, God really put on my heart was sometimes the reasons for why we're in a place, the reasons why we perceive we're in a place are different from why the reason God has us in a place. And ultimately he knows best. And I mean, that's, you know, you had to put your faith in that, that he knows best, Mm -hmm. but also the things that we The hard situations that we pray that God would change, he's using to change us. So it's like this, like the refining of the gold that's talked about in the Old Testament that you would be tested so that you would be purified. And there's this idea of this sanctification that's happening. So like you're going through this hard time, but know that even if your journey doesn't go where you thought it would, um, God's again, he cares so deeply about the state of your heart. That doesn't really matter necessarily where you are, but who you are and what God's doing right now. Is he using this state of your life to help you grow? And I believe the answer is always yes. Um, But we can also look at it and say, we can let the challenge defeat us or we can let it grow us. I don't know. I, I guess that's the thing that I really took away from that is that God used this really challenging point in my life Um, to really bring me to where I am today. And I'm, I'm really grateful for where I am today. I don't, I don't, I'm really happy with where my career is going and where, what God's doing in my life with my family and kids and job and everything. And I wouldn't be here without the pain that I walked through. So how has
2: your experience in exiting vocational ministry, how has that helped you to have, well, I'm, I'm assuming you're a, a naturally compassionate person because of you were in pastoring and now you're entering into counseling. So you obviously have a lot of empathy and compassion for people. Mm. Um, I'm trying to figure out what my question is. So mm. you have authority <laughs> to speak sort of on, can you, for someone listening, who's feeling kind of stuck, how would you, what would you say to them?
1: Sometimes the hardest moments in our life um, are, are well, actually, I'd say there's always opportunity. The hardest moments of our life can be the most um the moments that help you grow the most and to embrace the pain and the struggle because God does not waste that pain. He, he doesn't look past it and he doesn't say, Oh, he's suffering. I'm going to let him continue to suffer and let nothing good come out of it. But we know that, um, God cares deeply and he sees us in our pain. We see that in Jesus in the, in the gospels where he'll see people. Um, wh- what is it? There's a scripture, it says Jesus's heart went out to this person and he has this compassion for them and the struggle we see in the Bible we struggle to see in our own lives it, God doesn't look past it he sees it and our his heart goes out to us and his heart breaks mm-hmm. for what our um for our pain and uh, I think we're just remembering that in the midst of it at least for me has been so helpful and I with my clients I'll say that I'll say that very thing that you might be going through a really hard moment, but it doesn't have to s- defeat you. It can actually help you grow into the person that God, you know, really would have you to be. And it's going to be for your benefit eventually, even if you can't see it right now. Yeah,
0: there's there's always this. Um, I don't know if you remember Francis Chan, the pastor, but. He tells oh, the yeah. story of the grasshopper. Oh, yeah, of I don't know if you remember the grasshopper story, but he 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 pulls from Isaiah 40 and says that it is he, it is God who sits above the circle of the earth, and we, its inhabitants, are like grasshoppers. And he talks about the story of the grasshopper who wants to go mm. see his mom and he hits this wall and can't get around it, can't go over it, can't go through it. But just the the banging his head against the wall of I want what I want and I can't get there, and God feels very cruel because I can't get what I want. And he, he pulls Isaiah 40 and he says, God sits above it all. God sits above the circle of the earth. He sees our problems and we're like these little grasshoppers. And so, you know, as Francis tells (laughs) it is that the grasshopper, he's a Christian grasshopper. So he prays (laughs) and uh, says, God, if it's your will, then help me, you know, knock this wall down. But really he opens his eyes and the door opens and he sees on the other side of the wall, is his mom. And he realizes if I got what I wanted, I would have knocked down that wall and I would have crushed my grasshopper mom on the other side. And I think, um, mm. and I bump up against wow, that wall. Yeah. It's been a big picture for me of just hitting my head against the wall and saying, God, you see this and mm-hmm. still like, what's, what's going on? What is happening in this scenario? I know you see the other side of the wall, but I can't see the other side of the wall. Um, and I, I need wisdom and I need patience, man. I need yeah. lots of patience to be able to get through those moments. Um, but I, I, I agree with you that mm. it, it is in those moments. We hate them in the moment. Um, but looking back, they've built uh, a resiliency. They've built a strength. Uh, an upcoming guest that we have on the podcast, mm. and he wrote a book called Refined by the Fired. not just the fire, but refined by the fire. And it was his own Mm, story of (laughs) coming out. It's in our recommended reading, but it's his own story of coming out of ministry and having that be a refining moment. And so, um, Mm. I, you know, as we wrap, I'm just curious, and we we've danced around this a little bit, but, um, life after ministry, you are experiencing it. Is it, is there life after ministry? Um, is it good? Um, and have the trials disorientation, the wilderness that you've walked Hmm. through, um, Do you see God's hand in it where you're at? And it hasn't been that long. It's not like it was a decade ago. It's still in the last couple of years, but
1: it's still pretty fresh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's still fresh.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I think there's still healing that has to be done, but absolutely there, there's life after ministry. I I mean, I have this quote here. um, Joy is always possible, but that doesn't mean we don't make our way to gratitude slowly and through a valley of tears. And um, that's actually Mike Donahue in his book, um, Finding God's Life for My Will. Really, really good book. Rec- recommend it. But he talks about how you, we can experience pain and joy in the same breath, just as Paul talks about. And uh, that's really w- the last uh, few years of my journey is just trying to heal from the pain I went through, the, the journey of just trying to discern what my life is supposed to be, what vocation do I go into, the state of my heart, right? And God's taught me that, um, joy is possible through gratitude, you know, thanking God for what he's given me ultimately, even the pain, even thanking God for the pain, because ultimately that pain has led me to being stronger. And what's, what's that verse? Um, and, uh, endurance leads to, or, uh, do you know what I'm talk- talking about? You're a pastor, Matt. So yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> what yeah,
0: is it? Former pastor. Former, like former
1: pastor, right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? What is that verse? Yeah, yeah. Trials,
0: trials that that bring about patience, that bring about endurance. Yes, perseverance. perseverance, all that stuff. Yeah, yes. It's it's in the New Testament somewhere. It's fine. Yeah,
1: it's in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I answered your question.
0: No, no, absolutely. Okay, absolutely.
1: Yes, there's life after um, ministry. It's hard, but there, there, it's there.
2: So, okay, I have a question. So, you mentioned a couple of times that you came of the transition with wounds that you know you needed healing. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit more specifically as to what what was hurting and what you were processing coming out of this particular mm-hmm. transition.
1: Are you my therapist? Is this what's happening? You <laughs> Have a seat on the couch here. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that's so good. And then when I was going through it, I actually felt like there was some anger towards God for allowing me to go through this pain. And
2: Okay. So flesh that out a little bit. Cause I think that's an important.
1: Yeah. It's like, okay, God, if you called me to be a pastor, you called me to be in this position, then why would you put me through so much of this, this un- to me, it seemed like unnecessary pain at the time. And I think the lesson that I learned was ultimately that God uses that pain. He doesn't waste it. But I, I was, and I think recently the last year or so I've really been able to process that and heal in that way. Just realizing that God, didn't waste any of that pain that I went through. But while I was leaving, I was, I think, pretty angry about it. I I didn't really feel um, joyful about leaving because I didn't really want to leave. I was experiencing pain when I was there, but I was also like, I I think I kind of want to keep going because I love the youth ministry. I love the kids and I didn't want to leave them. I think part of me was like, man, if I leave, then who's going to come in and take my place and who's going to teach them the truth. And I had a hard time trusting God with that, you know, leaving the people that you're shepherding is like a really hard thing to do. And I felt, you know, there's some anger towards God, I think, and maybe towards myself for the situation that I was in. And I think recently I'm actually processing a lot more. And I've talked to my counselor about it even recently too, just about this stuff how to heal from this. And I still feel like there's some bitterness in my heart a bit towards it. And actually I noticed, and this is really vulnerable for me, but I noticed when I left ministry that I, my devotion, my personal devotion almost like halted. And I think it's because of the anger that I had. Um, I just felt, I don't know if I'd say betrayed because even in the midst of it, I had faith that God knew what He was doing. But that doesn't make it any less easy. And I think my humanness, my emotions, got the best of me, and like I stopped reading the Bible really for a long time. And I, again, like last year or so has been really healing for me. And I've, I, I think there's still healing to be done in that in my personal relationship with God. It's almost because you look back and you're like, I don't know if my relationship. Um, Like at one point when I was a youth pastor, when I started youth pastoring, I felt my relationship with God was really good. But going through that, that situation taught me so much and showed me so much about myself and so much about God's character. But it also kind of left me feeling like, man, like, I don't know if I'm as strong in my faith as I once was. And especially in my own personal devotion, I feel like it's been so weak. Um, and then you throw on responsibilities of being a dad and working full time and, and all the other things in life. It, it makes it's really hard to be devoted like that. And I'm um, still building up to a point where I'm comfortable. Like, oh, I feel good about my relationship with God because I still feel like there's some some disconnect there at at, at some points. Um, yeah, does that answer your question?
2: Yeah, totally. And and do you <laughs> think that? It sounds like your trust in God was impacted, like that y- mm. He had you in a place and didn't understand why He would put you there, and just to take you out. Yeah, especially when you didn't agree and you didn't want to go. Has that has yeah. that impacted you moving into this next season of mm. life with this next career? It, does it like does it mm. push that trust button?
1: I feel like God's get, definitely given me the gift of faith in the midst. It's it's like, yes, the answer is yes to that question is I think it's, it has impacted my trust. Cause I'm, I went in like, uh, who who's the, the character in the Bible. Who's like, here I am. Lord send me. I'm like, I'm like this willing guy, like send me, I'm going to do it, whatever it takes. And then I was thrown into the fire. It felt like, and it was just like really hard. And now I'm like really hesitant. Like I don't, I'm here, God, but I don't know if I want you to send me, <laughs> And, um, but again, it's the the stepping, stepping out in faith. Uh, Martin Luther King has a quote that I love. It's faith is taking the next step, even when you can't see the staircase. And that's where I kind of feel like I'm at right now with even becoming like a full-time Christian counselor is I think this is really a a good fit for me because I loved it as an intern and I'm still at the same office as I was, but there is that doubt in me. Like, what if this is just as hard and if not worse than where I was? Um, and what if it ends up being the same thing where I feel like I get crushed and there's a little bit of fear of it's going to, it's going to happen again in the situation. Even if it's not a church, it's still a, an organization that could hurt me because it's built out of people. Right. So it's,
2: yeah. I think a lot of the struggle of like daily life as a believer is just like. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like we, we kind of live yes. in this pa- this place of tension. Of like, I do believe. Like, I know that you have a good plan for me. I know, I I know you can be trusted. And yet, like, there's this part of me that's like, oh, I was hurt last time. Like, I I want to trust you. I want to yes. be vulnerable. But I'm. I think that's just human that we're afraid of.
0: And, and we don't need yeah, the, we the don't pain. need the church to get hurt. Um, you know, I was hurt when right. Subway fired me as a teenager. <laughs> Subway, please, please (laughs) don't don't sue us, (laughs) you know, so we, but, but because it's so acute and because it's coming from a community that should be family, it, that that's the extra sting and we've poured, it's not just, we clocked in nine to five, but it's been, you know, blood and sweat and tears in all of that.
2: And what happens when the pastor, the man of God, the leader, you know, the leader of the people finds himself in a crisis of faith and a crisis of trust and the sense of like, I I can't put my money where my mouth is. Like, I'm not sure that my faith is actually strong enough to live out, you know, what I've been preaching in in this hard season.
0: Right. That's, Eugene Peterson yeah. says that every pastor is a theologian. We need somebody. I actually have a, a, a friend in uh, Texas, and he says uh, every pastor needs a pagan. <laughs> and he says I'm the pagan that they to hang out with. <laughs> but I'm not necessarily sure
1: that that's the best quote.
2: Yeah, yeah, that might not be. Yeah, there might be some <laughs> danger associated with that as well.
1: But well. Something that that comes up when I was when I was leaving that church and I was searching for a new church, uh, a quote that I heard on the internet it was like a video. I saw. I don't know what pastor it was, otherwise I give him credit. But he said, "If you ever find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll ruin it." <laughs> yeah. And it's just because the church is made out of broken people, and no church is going to be perfect. But that's kind of the point, though, right? That's the point yeah. of Jesus is he loves us in our imperfectness, and we are his. Flawless bride, even if we are sinful and broken, because He died for us. So, Amen. And going into uh, the therapy world, and as you've been meeting with people, um, you're still doing ministry even mm. in the counseling room. Is that
0: right? Yes.
1: Yeah. And I, I work at a, a Christian office, so we we really we advertise as being we're Christian therapists who want to help you work through you know spiritual issues, anxiety, depression, um, just from a Christian perspective. So. That's ultimately where my call to ministry led was being a, a Christian counselor. And I'm a, actually, I'm able to work with youth in the church I'm still. And I love like middle school, high age kids, high school age kids. I love them. I, that's like my, I, I don't know why God's put this love in my heart for them, but I just love working with those kids. And so I'm able to do that um, counseling mm-hmm. still and um, and actually work with some pastors too. Work through the the pain that they're experiencing um, with transitioning, or just just the pain of being a pastor. So that's my ministry that I feel God's ultimately led me to, and it wouldn't I wouldn't have really had the as clear of a vision of it now if I didn't go through what I went through. So yeah, ministry is still happening after ministry. Dylan, if
0: uh, somebody wants to just follow you and your story, the wouldn't it be nice? Um, we'll put all this in the show notes as well, but how, <laughs> sure. how can people connect with what you're doing in your world today?
1: Yeah. Well, um, if you want to follow me, I've got my business page, Fawcett underscore Woodcraft on Instagram, uh, TikTok, and then I've got uh, another podcast too called the Wouldn't It Be Nice Podcast. And you can find that anywhere you find podcasts. And okay. I'm actually, I, I, I can't tell you what the name of the podcast is going to be yet because we don't know yet, but I am starting another podcast too. It's going to be a, a, a Christian podcast talking about uh, discipling and uh, reaching the younger generation. So that's, it's yeah. in the works. It's kind of a, yeah, it's still being um, really built right now. But kind of sounds very like fresh. ministry
0: after ministry, though, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like it. Dylan, thanks for sharing it, it, yeah.
0: your story. Um, I'm thankful that God has brought you through the season and you're still in a season. Who knows what seasons are to come? Um, but in all of that, God is good, and uh, thankful for our paths crossing today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Matt and Meryl. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was a joy to be able to share my story. I hope that you know even one person is able to hear it and have them help it help them in one small piece, if
0: if possible. So,
1: thank you. Definitely. Yep. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life After Ministry podcast. As we wrap up today, we want to acknowledge something that we hear all too often from pastors. It's this weight of uncertainty and this question that looms large for many is, what will I do next? You know, every week we talk with Christian leaders grappling with this very question, leaders who are navigating what can often feel like a wilderness season. And they're searching for direction, feeling a bit lost, trying to make sense of the unexpected turns their journey has taken. And we understand that this transition feels overwhelming. The fear and uncertainty can be paralyzing. And it's a path that is really filled with more questions than answers and with more silence than direction. Recognizing this need, we have established a nonprofit arm at Pastoral Transitions. Our goal is to come alongside pastors And Christian leaders in this season of transition. To be able to offer a hand when the path feels unclear and the future feels uncertain, we want to be able to say we can still help you. Uh, But to be able to continue this work, to extend the support, we need your help. If our podcast has touched your heart, if you believe in what we are doing, then we invite you to be part of this mission. Consider making a donation to support these Christian leaders Your contribution can help provide hope and healing that these pastors and their families desperately need as they're seeking out what their next season might be. We help in the areas of career and coaching and counseling. Visit pastoraltransitions.com and you can make a difference today. Your generosity can help light the way for those who are walking through their own wilderness and we can help guide them towards a future filled with hope. Thank you for joining us on the Life After Ministry podcast. And until next time, keep seeking, keep trusting, and remember even in this wilderness season that you're never walking alone.